morning, bright and early, right? Amen. No snow, no rain, none of that stuff. So we just thought we'd move the clock up for you. There you go, right? And uh, good to have you guys here. And uh, it's great to be worshiping with you. Super excited to be walking through this series. We're in a series called Relentless Love. Relentless Love. And we're talking about what it means to have the message of our God a message of relentless love, that he is so passionate and compassionate that he reaches out regularly, faithfully into our lives, longing to let us know that he loves us. That message, but also that we can be the messenger of that love. We have the privilege of being able to share that out into this world and watch God do a work. The series is about the message, and the series is about you as the messenger, and how all of that can come together. And so we talked the first week as we dove into the book of Jonah there, we talked about what it means to obey. And Jonah was called to head off to Nineveh. And he was supposed to be going to a location. And God called him out to that. And he decided, no thanks, right? So the first week was about obedience and what that looks like. The second week was about repentance, getting that square with your God. And making sure you set down whatever sin is going on and saying, Lord, I'm ready to have that cleared up in my life. May you get the all of me. And so there's the obedience, then there's the repentance. And this week now, we're looking at what does it mean to share? What does it mean to share? So as we dive in now to Jonah chapter 3, let's just make sure we remember where we were from the storyline, right? Jonah, he's this prophet of God. He's in Israel. He's right on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And God comes to him and says, look, I want you to go over to Nineveh. It's about 550 miles up and over to the east. 550 miles by foot. So that's like walking 30 days straight, 20 miles a day. Right? That's a lot. And like I'm asking you to commit to this, Jonah. Go 30 days out of walking, 550 miles over to Nineveh, but it was more than that. Nineveh was also the capital of Assyria. These people were horrible. They were atrocious. They were vicious. They were monstrous. They Really, they were horrible to people that they captured and they killed most. And that's who they were in their wartime, but they also were deeply selfish and sinful and he knew this. Jonah was fully aware of the problems going on over there and what was happening. And as God was like, hey, I want you to go to this people that kills most people and they're deeply sinful. And it's going to take you 30 days straight of walking 550 miles to the east. Jonah's decision was, yeah, no thanks. So I'm going to go this way, right? 2,500 miles to the west, to Tarshish, they think probably in Spain, 2,500 miles, like five times further the other direction, trying to get out of the presence of God, as we've said multiple times. Everybody say, that's a terrible idea. Right? Hey, I want out of the presence of God. Yeah, well, first of all, that's not possible. And second of all, when God calls us to something, may we see what it is and go after it. And instead, he runs away. As he gets on this boat to head to Tarshish, God hurls this wind, this massive storm bl blows up and this boat is being blown apart, torn apart as it's going up and down on the waves. The mariners are trying everything. They can't figure out how to salvage it. They come to Jonah, what do we do? He's like, it's about me. Uh, the God who created this sea and this storm is well, he's kind of upset with me for not going where he wants me to go and he's getting my attention. You need to throw me in the water. 
And uh, so they do, they hurl him into the water, uses the same word as God hurled the wind, so they hurl Jonah, one, two, three, and as they chuck him, he's about ready to come down, he hits the water and goes under, starting to drown, and in that moment, God ends up quieting it all. You have to picture this massive storm, boat going up and down, the guys are afraid for their life, these rough and tumble dudes, the wind is blowing like crazy, this and as Jonah hits the water and starts to go under, it goes, and the boat's just floating on the dead, quiet, calm. And these men are in awe. And in that moment, they commit their lives to the Lord. It said they really, they sacrificed, they made vows, they were in. Those mariners were saved. And Jonah was on his way to the bottom. And as he got to the bottom of the water, he could feel his heart pounding. He knew it was his last breaths. And it says he literally turned it around and said, Lord, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. May I worship you again. I long for it to be about you. And in those last heartbeats, he knew it was done. All of a sudden, this giant sea creature, fish, potentially, whatever it is, comes by. And swallows him up. In fact, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see this? This dude got swallowed up in South Africa by a whale. Did you see this? They only swallowed him halfway and then spit him back out. But his statement was, as he was getting swallowed up, I was there and then it was all black. Can you imagine that moment? Where all of a sudden it's black and he could feel the, the mouth pinched down on his hips. And he's like, I knew it was a whale. How do you know that? I don't know how he knew that, but that was his statement. Like, it just happened this past week with somebody getting sucked into a whale and then spit back out. That was a very quick moment. Jonah ended up getting swallowed up three days inside. And as the water got peeled away from him, he was able to all of a sudden gasp for air again. And he realized that he was in, ready, an uncomfortable safety. Remember how we used that term last week? This fish, this whatever it was, a very uncomfortable safety that was now getting his attention. And he spent the next three days and three nights there as he began to worship God and thank God and get ready to serve his God. And as he cried out, the salvation is from my God, this fish all of a sudden throws him out onto the land. It says literally vomited in the ESV. Just spews him out onto the land. And as he lands and he's looking up, he's laying in the sand and he can feel the water lapping up on him. He's catching the sunlight. Can you imagine the smile that broke across his face? As he's now laying there looking back at the last three to five days and going, I cannot believe I'm still alive. And in that moment, he said, that's it. I'm in with my God. What in the world would the next steps have looked like? I don't know if you noticed this, but the sermon graphic that we have for this that that, uh, Nick did for us, just a phenomenal job. I'm going to ask us to hammer over to this triple wide slide that we've got here. And... uh, This is the graphic without the words relentless love on it. Go from left to right and just check it out. The deep sea that Jonah was a part of. This whatever it was that grabbed a hold of him, fish of some sort dragging him 
a cross and for three days and three nights spewed him out and he laid on the ground and then gave his worship and the next thing he does is starts to put some footprints in the sand as he's on his way to Nineveh. And you can see Jonah in the shadow right there as he's getting ready to go on a 550 mile journey, take two, right? God's request to go after it. That is such a powerful graphic. This is Jonah chapter 3 right there. So turn with me, if you will, to Jonah chapter 3. And we're going to begin to look into Jonah 3 and all that's going on there. Remember, this whole point is about sharing. And God sends the messenger. So point number one, willingly and faithfully share with whomever God calls you. Willingly and faithfully share with whomever God calls you. We start in chapter 3 here. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So this is the same challenge, right? Groundhog Day. This is it all over again. Here we go, same challenge. Now what does Jonah do? First time he's bolting 2,500 miles opposite direction. This time the Lord says, all right, same command. Here we go. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Remember we talked about the word great. It probably occurs nine or ten times in here. In fact, we're going to see it again in just a little bit in this passage. Nine or ten times in the book of Jonah. And uh, the great God of the universe is calling Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh to be able to share a message. You can imagine that Jonah's like, what message? You said to call out against him, but what do I call out against him? And he's like, don't worry, I'll give you the message. I'll tell it to you. Just hang on, start walking. Uh, maybe he's like, you have 30 days. We'll talk on the journey. Time to get going, right? And uh, so he's starting to walk. He's moving off the beach and he's beginning to head over there. It says, so Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, he's obedient. Everybody say obedient. obedient. And it's all about, God, what do you want me to do and where do you want me to be? And I'm going to go there, right? And Lord, who do you want me to share with? I'm ready to be there. He was obedient to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. An exceedingly great city. In fact, in the original language, this says great city. Those two words are there. This is a great city, but exceedingly. It doesn't actually say the word exceedingly. It says this is a great city to God. If you were to put it into the literal, it says great city to God. And some of your translations actually say that. And that's why sometimes you're, you'll see when you look at the various translations, some say to God, some are capturing the metaphor of what that would mean. If it's a great city even to God, he's like, this is a great city even to the divine. So like it's an exceedingly great city, right? That's where the word exceedingly comes in. It's like if it's so great even to God, God's doing something big here. This matters. And uh, so this exceedingly great city or a great city even to God says three days journey in breadth, three days to be able to cover this thing, 
Three days to be able to get the word out is what it would take. Now, it turns out there was actually some inside walls to Nineveh and outside walls. And the inside walls were fairly tight. It was just a couple miles across. It wasn't that long of a walk to be able to cover the inside of it. These inside walls were 50 feet wide, 50 feet wide, and 100 feet high. 50 feet wide and 100 feet high. Can you imagine this gigantor wall around the inside? And then there was a smaller wall miles and miles out from that that wrapped around all of the little suburbs and fields and and all of that and tried to pull in the remainder. There were some 120,000 people that lived in Nineveh. That's what was going on. This was a capital city of Assyria. It was an exceedingly great city. It took three days journey and breath to cover. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey. So he was walking into it. He covered about a third of what he'd have to cover. He goes in about a day's journey. It says, and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Okay, so now you know the message God gave him. Somewhere along the way, God's like, here's what you're going to tell him. You're going to tell the people that kill a bunch of other people, that they have 40 days to get it together or they're done. That's what you're going to tell them. Can you imagine that little walk? Jonah's walking along and all of a sudden God's like, hey, I want to tell you what I'm going to tell you. Oh, good. I was wondering when this was going to happen. You're going to tell them you have 40 days and then it's done. (laughs) What? Done by who? You want me to tell them it's done? Yeah. Okay, and then when I die, then what? Right? This isn't going to go well when I threaten them. How is this going to go down? And he's like, tell them that. So Jonah walks in and he's like, all right, here it is. 40 days. And then you're going to be overthrown. Can you imagine if a guy walked into your town today and said that? 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. What would you say? Like, I don't know, we were going to Culver's anyway, we're just out of here, see ya, right? And you get in the car, you're like, I don't know what's wrong with that guy. And you just move on. There's something weird about him. But, but you need to know there's a few things about this. First of all, the number 40 was a very specific number. And we see it a number of times in the Old Testament, right? 40 years, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness, right? And when it rained, it rained for 40 days with Noah, Why is that a big deal? God uses the number 40 to be able to say, this is a time period of judgment coming down. This is also a time period of testing coming down. And you need to know you have 40 days. So what they would have heard in this is not just a threat. 40 days and then you're done. They weren't setting their watch like, okay, we'll see if that's true. And then they're going to wait 40 days. It wasn't that. It was they're being given some level of warning. You have 40 days, and, and kind of built into this is, and if you clean it up, if you get it right, if you understand who you've wronged, you might have a little hope, but otherwise you have no hope. And it's a bit of a threat coming down to them, but it's a clarifier that they better get it together. Jonah, he literally spent one day sending that message as he walked it in, one-third of the trip done. And uh, actually, the word spread so wildly, we don't even see any more statement of him sharing the message beyond. 
In fact, the message took off from there. Have you ever noticed, by the way, that the preparing of the messenger often takes way longer than the delivery of the message? Have you ever noticed that? The preparing of the messenger often takes way longer than the delivery of the message. And that's exactly what we see here as Jonah had these days and days and days of at the water and rebelling against God and all the rest. Plus, you can imagine all the time before it being built up as a man of God being able to share the word of God. And, and then one day of sharing, and this was the huge recording of his life work, is this one day message along the way. Jonah, he did exactly what he was called to and he walked into a murderous city and began to say, 40 days and then it's done, right? He shared boldly where God called him to go, willingly he shared. So I was actually thinking this week about an illustrate for this and came up with a couple of different stories and, and uh, you know, stories of people sharing their faith with Christ. In fact, I'm going to use that in the second illustrate. So I thought, you know, maybe I could just look the word up. And let's just walk that. I'm just looking through some of the dictionary statements and found synonyms for the word willing. And uh, this was interesting. Willingly. To go willingly would mean to go, ready? Here's a couple of words worth writing down. Cheerfully. Did you know that? If you're going willingly, you're not grumbling the whole time. Right? Cheerfully. Freely. Like it's your choice if you're going willingly. Freely, readily. I'm not dragging my feet. I'm not resisting. I'm not finding a bunch of other excuses. I'm doing what I need to do. Cheerfully and freely and readily and even unquestionably. Like I'm not pushing back against in any way, shape, or form. That's willingly. Right? So... When you start looking at applying that word into our lives, right, we start talking about, I mean, let's get really close to home. So we talk about parenting in our homes, right, and we talk about willing obedience, right, and you start talking about the cheerfully and the freely, right, this walking down the line, readily, unquestionably, you know, some of you as parents are like, my home isn't a willing, obedient home. Right? I'm not feeling that from the kids as I'm talking with them. And man, it's good to be able to teach this is what obedience looks like. It's not just doing the action that was asked. It's the heart behind the action that has to be right too. And uh, everybody say that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal, man. So as we go to share with others, as we begin to grasp who God might be calling us to, man, we need to be going willingly. We need to be going cheerfully. We need to be going freely and readily and unquestionably. Lord God, I'm ready to share. So simple question. Are you willing? Are you ready to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to whomever? Friend, family member, co-worker, whomever. Are you willing to have God use you to share of the greatness of Jesus Christ. Are you willing? Right? Okay, that's the first point. Second, expectantly watch as God works in hearts and lives. Expectantly watch as God works in hearts and lives. He says, and the people of Nineveh believed God. 
I love that. Just hang right there. And the people of Nineveh believed who? Yeah, believed God. Jonah's the one crying it out. It doesn't say, and the people of Nineveh believed Jonah. They grasped who this message was from. I'm telling you, you know exactly where the story's going just by reading that sentence. And the people of Nineveh believed God. As Jonah spoke, God moved in their hearts. And they were grasping the truth and the reality of what was going on. So then the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth. This is that moment where you're beginning to say, I want my physical experience to match what's going on spiritually, right? And so they went through a fast. They denied themselves water and food. They put on sackcloth. You know what that is? That's like this really nasty, itchy clothing that feels super uncomfortable. It was a way of saying, I shouldn't be comfortable in any way, shape, or form right now. So they would put on sackcloth. It was annoying and scratchy at high levels. They called for a fast and putting on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Every single person who was hearing was responding to God. And this is a huge moment. I can't even imagine what that looked like as Jonah walks in and he goes, all right, here we go. Lord, I'm giving this to you. If I can only get one word out and they kill me, then so be it. Here we go. 40 days and then you will be overthrown. 40 days and then you will be overthrown. And the people standing around him all of a sudden go, you know, he's kind of got a point. And he's like, what? And they start responding. I'm going to tell, hey, get over here. Listen to this guy. He's got a really good point. 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. We have been kind of wrong, you know? Maybe we should be looking at, maybe we should be doing something. And Jonah's like, all right, God, you're doing something. 40 days. And can you imagine that? As he's walking through this city, and they aren't just killing him. They're responding, they're getting humble, and they're moving to a repentance before their God. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say, I don't know if they actually repented. I mean, actually, Assyria was a rough nation. In fact, it wasn't long until they came roaring into Israel and they did a lot of damage. And I'm not sure if this was actually repentance. And uh, I will just say, um, no, this is repentance. And uh, if you want an example, then we'll just use the words of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 11, verse 32. Luke chapter 11, verse 32. Jesus says, for the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. It's fact. And all of God's people said, like, dude, this is full-on repentance. And Jesus is like, I just want you to understand those men repented. We had a massive turning. So then what's going on with this whole Assyria? And what was with their so vicious? Why was that happening to Israel just a little bit later? And I'll just tell you this. It doesn't say this in the passage, but I think this is probably a very appropriate read between the lines, all right? Bottom line, you have Assyria, this horrible nation. And God is going to use them to bring them in against Israel there's been statements against Israel. They are living a really a very defiant life right now. They're standing against God and it's getting worse at the time of Jonah. 
and they're not wanting to have any of it. Some of the prophets are already saying, man, we're in big trouble, and Assyria is going to be sweeping in and taking over. And God's like, that's right, I'm going to use Assyria, but I use clean vessels. So he ends up bringing Jonah 550 miles over to the capital of Assyria. He brings a word, change, and then he moves in their heart. And the nation's capital begins to stir towards repentance. And there is a massive movement, not just there in Nineveh, but beyond into Assyria. The 120,000 people begin to repent. And the whole nation, this generation, is getting cleaned up before Yahweh, the God of the universe. And then God sweeps them in within that generation to come into Israel and be the judging hand that says, it is time for discipline in this house. Man, I'm telling you, God is doing something through Jonah. He is preparing a nation to be used to come back and bring Israel to its knees before their God. God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. Man, God has a plan, and it is a huge deal along the way here. We actually see a massive movement of the people as they now hear from the greatest to the least and they respond. It said, the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. The king of Nineveh, just so you know, Nineveh is a city, right? And so oftentimes they would name a king by the capital city that they were living in. This king of Nineveh, this is probably the king of Assyria, and he's using Nineveh as his capital. And uh, most likely the king of Assyria here. And he arose from his throne, removed his whole robe, covered himself in sackcloth, sat in ashes. He's like, that's it. My physical will model my spiritual. I'm putting this thing into full repentance mode. He issued a proclamation. And he published it throughout Nineveh. Right? So now the king has taken over Jonah's role. He's like, all right, all right, all right. We get what you're saying. I got it from here. Everybody get the word out. I want this proclamation spread. Here's the command. Get it to all of Nineveh. Everybody say, God has a plan. And so now he has moved the king to respond. And so the king actually sends a proclamation out. It says, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. No food. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out to our mighty God. He's like, here's the command. He takes over for Jonah. I want everybody in full repentance. We've been wrong. Get the physical squared away. No more food, no more drink. Get on the sackcloth. May your physical begin to represent what we're going to be doing. And then he says, more than just that, call out mightily to God, now the spiritual. In full repentance, you see the spiritual as he's like, it's time for us to get right with this God who's in charge. There have been 40 days given to us and we're cleaning it up with him. We have been wrong. He says, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. And do you get this message? Jonah walks in and for one day he's like, 40 days and then it's cooked, man. It's over. 40 days and it's done. The king is like, stop. I'll send the message for you. 
Can you imagine that moment as Jonah is now looking around and the proclamation comes out, hear ye, hear ye, get on your knees, it's done. And they all start to move as they drop their physical, as they drop the spiritual, and they put God in charge. Man, God is moving in this city of 120,000 people. It says, by the decree of the king and his nobles, he puts all of his weight behind it to make it happen. And he has them do a physical and a spiritual humbling. He says, let everyone turn from the evil of his way. Just so you know, true repentance will change behaviors. All right? Repentance is not just some mental thought. Repentance is not just some agreement. Repentance is actual action that follows through and says, I'm done with that sin. Right? Ready? And all of God's people said. That's a huge deal, man. We got to make sure we understand that if we're getting after repentance, it is changing, yes, our physical, yes, our spiritual, and yes, our actual actions are changing. He says, who knows? Question mark. Just so you know, that could be the worst lead-in by a king ever. Can you imagine you're trying to move people? Like I stand up in front of him like, all right, I got this great plan. Here's the deal. I got a three-step process we're going to walk through. We're going to walk through this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. Who knows? It might work. You know? What, who follows that leader? You're like, that guy's a horrible leader. He's not trying to get them to follow him. He's trying to get them to follow the God of the universe. He says, who knows? I don't know anything. I'm not telling you to follow me. I'm on my knees. He's in charge. Who knows? The decry from the king was this. Man, we don't know what we're doing. And we better get this sin clean. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? God might not do this 40-day thing. It could be that he's willing to have us turn and that will be good. May we get our lives right with him. It will involve physical, it will involve spiritual, and it will involve a turning from our violent and evil ways. If you remember back to Jonah chapter 1, he said, hey, I want you to know that Nineveh has come to my attention because of their evil ways. And the king has just said, we are done with our evil ways. Everybody say, God has a plan. It's amazing when you see God move in this world, right? Just amazing. So I wrote this down, true repentance. True repentance calls for a change in three areas. True repentance calls for a change of the head. There has to be a change in thinking. True repentance is a change of the head. It'll be a change in your thinking. And if we actually repent, we're like, I don't see that as valuable anymore. I see this as valuable now. There's a change in our thinking. True repentance is not just a change of the head. It's a change of the heart. Our desires and our wants are different now. I don't want me satisfied in some way. I want you glorified, God. It's a change of heart. It's a change of desires and wants and emotions. The head is shifted. The heart is shifted. We're seeing this whole desire shift. 
And then there's also a change of the will. It changes what we do. And when he says we are done with our evil actions, he's executing that. Man, it is not based on just some command from the king. They are getting their thinking in line with their feelings and wantings, and they are moving in a direction that glorifies God. True repentance. I am done with this sin, and I am turning from, and I am on with my God. May he get all the glory. Repentance. Man, as we turn to Jesus Christ, it's about getting real with our God. It's about being done with sin and saying, Lord, I'm ready to run with you. It doesn't mean we're living life perfectly, but it means we are not clinging to that sin and claiming it for ourselves and refusing to let it go. That's a problem, man, to claim we've repented and handed it all to Christ, but I long for, cling to, and will not let go of this sin. It's mine. That's a problem moment. True repentance, it affects the head and the heart and the will. And all of God's people said, huge deal. So, you know, when we go to share our faith with someone, super important that we're very transparent about where we're at and what we've walked through. And uh, I was talking to somebody this past week, a young adult within our church here. Uh, He started coming to the church back in 2011-ish, kind of in that time frame, and uh, was not trusting in Christ at all. Uh, really wasn't sure which end was up with all of that. And as he came to services here and sat with friends, as he was a part of our Amplify ministry, the young adult ministry, just hearing the gospel message shared and heard the gospel shared out clearly from the front here as we walk through some of the Romans verses and what it means to understand that we're sinners and what it means to believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and what it means to confess him as Lord. He began to grasp that. But he wasn't sure where he was at with it. And one time at home by himself, he's like, I'm in. I'm going after this. And he walked through what we had had on a Sunday and walked those verses and committed himself to Christ saying, Lord, I believe you are risen from the dead. I confess you as Lord of my life. I'm in. He began to live a very different life. It started shaping and changing him in so many ways. And uh, he ended up getting baptized with us on one of our baptism services, and he had his family come. In fact, very specifically, he had his stepdad come, who was like a father to him, called him dad, and had him come to it. His dad saw that and began to understand a little bit more, but still really wasn't having anything to do with Jesus. And uh, fast forward five years, six years, and we come up to this past year of him sharing in little different ways and trying to live this different life and dad not wanting to have much of it. And then the dad was diagnosed with some pretty heavy sicknesses. In fact, right now up at Mayo. And uh, a couple weeks back, this young adult sitting with his dad felt like it was the moment. And he said, Dad, I just want you to know that I care about you so much and I'm not sure where things are going with this and I don't want to be dark about what's going on with this, but Dad, I just want to know your eternity is set with Christ. Are you in? And as he walked it with his dad, his dad didn't have much energy at all from being sick and looked at him and said, you know what, I'm willing to do that. And so he walked through a simple prayer 
of just, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I'm standing before you, God, and I need a Savior. I believe. I believe that you are risen from the dead, and I confess you're in charge. Take over in my life. And as his dad walked through it, he said he got about halfway through the prayer, and tears started to fill in his dad's eyes. He could tell his heart was welling up and very real about this as he walked through this prayer and closed it down. I just got done talking to this young adult guy a couple days ago, and he said, honestly, it's a super hard walk right now because of the sickness and the illness, but praise God that he has put his hands and his life into the hands of God Almighty. And all of God's people said, dude, that's seven years later. Man, are you sharing with someone? Do you have a friend or a family member, a coworker or a neighbor, where you are willing to live life for real in front of them, transparent and laying it out? Maybe you've already shared your faith before, but it's time for you to be able to share so transparently and powerfully. And in a moment where you could see them rise up, you will actually see them step down and say, I need that God in charge of my life. Imagine sharing with one of those people in your life. Remember a couple weeks back, we talked about come up with three names. Got one of those names or maybe all three of those names. What does it look like to share transparently with them? Boldly with them. Letting them know who your God is. Remember, you're just the messenger. It is not your job to get anyone to believe. You are just taking a stand. I'm with my God, and I would love for you to be too. That's the message. Simple and clear as you walk it through. We'll talk a little bit more about the message in the third point, but please hear me. Being clear is your call. God working on a heart is his call. And all of God's people said, are you ready to be clear? Man, I'm telling you, this young adult guy shared with his father, and he accepted Christ. Jonah shares with a city and 120,000 people turn to him. Are you catching that, man? This is 120,000 people going, we're wrong, and we're in. This is the nation that Jonah thought would kill him. And instead, they are all trusting Yahweh and putting it all before him. Man, are you ready to see God work in this world? Place your life in his hands. Be transparent and be willing and watch God work. Okay? Number three, worship the God of mercy and grace. Worship the God of mercy and grace. It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, when the repentance was real, right? 
God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. He pulled off of the disaster coming the 40 days out, and then instead he was moving in the hearts and lives of those who repented. And he had this city and this nation getting right with him to become a clear vessel to be used in this world because, ready, God has a plan. God knows exactly what he's doing each soul at a time. And so we lean on him and we trust in him and we allow our God to work. We worship the God who is mercy. And please hear me, mercy always follows repentance. Please know that when we experience the mercy of God, there is a repentance that we have laid on the line and God is in reaction to that bringing a mercy and a hope. God working in our hearts before that and God bringing mercy after that. Praise be to God. Man, the message that we get to bring so clearly, let's make sure we have it locked down, right? We've said it pretty simply this way, and I'm just going to stay with this just because we've heard it before. Three parts to it, right? It's not simple, but it's as easy as A, B, C, right? A, admit that we are sinners in need of a Savior, Admit that we are sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are in need of a Savior. We have come up short of the glory of God. Please note it says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It does not say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of the guy next to you. It doesn't say that, but how often do we compare ourselves? Like, I don't know, I look pretty good compared to them. I know that guy two rows up. He's got a lot of problems. I'm doing better than that guy, right? And so I go, I'm not doing bad. And that's the wrong plan. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. We need to admit that. B, believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. Please note, it does not say believe that Jesus died on the cross. It's more than that. Believe he is risen from the dead. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. He is risen from the dead. Believe. That's Romans 10, 9. And then letter C. Confess. Confess him as Lord. You're in charge, God. I believe you are risen from the dead and you're in charge, Lord. Take over. That's also Romans 10, 9. Man, that is saved. Let me ask first, and you personally, are you there? Have you admitted and believed and confessed? That's saved. Man, if you haven't, bring it to your God. It's so easy to just walk it through, dear Jesus, and each of those. I admit, I am a sinner, I need a savior. I believe you are risen from the dead, and I confess you're in charge. Take over. That's saved. And man, if you have trusted Christ as Savior, man, are you ready to share that simple message? A, B, C. And help somebody walk through a prayer that commits their life to the God of the universe. Are you ready? I'm telling you, if you are willing 
cheerfully, passionately, freely, excitedly to get into this. You are willing. And you step in with your God, watching him work, expecting him along the way. I'm telling, as you share with friends, you will watch God move in this world. It is amazing to see God move one soul at a time. There is a message that points to Jesus Christ. And there is a messenger. And it's each of us as we trust in him as our own savior. And all of God's people said, man, I'm telling you the story of Jonah is a stunning story. And it goes like this. There's 120,000 people in one city and an entire nation of people who are godless and couldn't care less, but God's got a plan. Be willing, share the simple message he gives, and watch God move. May he get all the glory. Do you know the message? Are you willing to be the messenger? May Jesus Christ, the God of mercy, get all our worship. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let's pray.